Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Tommy Ashley and Sorrell McMill here, post Carolina at Duke, 74-64 Duke. A wild finish for the Blue Devils. They certainly played well in the second half. Sherelle, I thought after the first game in Chapel Hill that one team could win it all and the other could lose in the first weekend in the NCAA tournament. And after tonight, I think the same thing, though, quite frankly, those teams might have flipped. Your thoughts overall on the ballgame? Yeah, it actually was very similar, I think, to the game in Chapel Hill. Just the two teams were reversed. So North Carolina used uh, poor shooting from Duke from the free throw line um, and some you know, pretty good defense in the first half to end up getting up by 13, I believe, around the under 16 mark. And then Duke finally, you know, it, it seemed like they just kind of took over the game. And part of that was how well Marvin Bagley played. But uh, they used their size advantage for the first time, I think, in in really the series this season um, over in North Carolina. Out rebounded UNC in the second half, um, which opened up things on the perimeter form. They started knocking down shots, uh, and they just got energized. And their uh, their defense in the second half was was pretty good as well, holding North Carolina to 29 points. So it is very similar. Um, I think actually North Carolina held Duke to 29 points in the second half of the first game. So it's very similar, and uh, Duke has so much offensive firepower that when it gets going, especially in Cameron, it's just hard to stop. It, Carolina had balance, you know, four of the five starters in double figures, but Joel Berry really struggled, three for 11, 0 for 7 from three-point range. And Sherelle, surprisingly to me, he did not appear to even look his shot much in the second half. I think he really struggled with the length of Duke's zone there. Um, and the way Duke played that zone, they pressed out a little bit further, forcing drives, and then they had the size inside to defend the drives. Just comment on Carolina's approach there. I think they had their way against Syracuse against that zone. They had their way against Duke when they played in the first game tonight. That little tweak from Duke to push out a little bit further really gave Carolina fits. Yeah, look at the guards that Duke played. Uh, Trayvon Duvall, uh, Alex O'Connell, um, Grayson Allen and Gary Trent all are six four or taller. And Joe Barry's listed at six foot. He's probably, you know, five eleven and a half or something like that. So it's a lot tougher when you have those big guards uh out on the perimeter and then uh to to get a shot off. And then once he drives into the paint, he's got six foot eleven Marvin Bagley, seven foot Marcus Bolden, and six ten Wendell Carter. Uh, waiting for him back there too so like you said I think their length bothered him a lot and frankly he he played so well in the second half against Miami that you expected a, a little regression um, especially in a building like Cameron uh, and you know Joe Barry's he's been there he's done everything he he'll, he'll bounce back um, but I do think uh, you know his his play contributed I think Luke May this was not his best game he, he still had solid numbers but there were a couple of rush shots that he had, a couple of shots that he, you know, probably makes most of the time, eight out of ten times, um, that he wasn't able to knock down. And when Barry and May, and it's been the case the whole season, when they struggle, it's very hard for North Carolina to win. So uh, Barry and May combined, again, these are unofficial stats. We're looking at this immediately after the game. Uh, nine of 26 from the field, one of nine from three, 19 points. And they've been the most consistent players for UNC this entire season. So when they struggle like that, it's tough for Carolina to win. One thing I thought was pretty telling, and you know, I know it's easier said than done, but two possessions in the first half, one with Garrison Brooks, one with Sterling Manley, and it's kind of like the approach 
to attacking a big, especially a shot blocking big. Uh, Garrison Brooks dunked on one. Sterling Manley tried to do sort of a dipsy do layup uh, and either still got it blocked or it had no chance of going in. I mean, that's the approach to play Duke. And I think teams that play Duke in the future in the tournaments have to, you got to really attack those. And Carolina just didn't do that or was unable to do that much at all. And it really, really, we've talked about the length, but those guys who struggled on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm speaking of Duke, all year really against a lot of teams had their way. I mean, did you see anything specifically different from those guys tonight? Or was it strictly just Carolina not really going at them for whatever reason? I think um, part of it is it's funny that um, the last two times North Carolina has played teams who play zone, when they've struggled is when they've started to push tempo. So uh, against Syracuse, North Carolina was really playing well against the zone. And then I think it was about 10 minutes left in the game, Jim Babeheim decides to go to full court pressure. And I, I would imagine that uh, Coach K watched that film. Him and Jim Beheim are close. I think they've uh, Beheim was an assistant for USA one year with him. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he watched that film because what Duke did after in the second half as well, they started uh, pushing their pressure full court. And it sped North Carolina up. And in games like this and with teams who play zone, I think what happens is they're the players are so excited that they finally can get up and down the court and don't have to, you know, throw it side to side, throw it to the free throw line, throw it back out, drive, you know, they don't have to play that um, second by second game with the zone. They can just play basketball like they're used to and their eyes get wide open and maybe they get a little too charged up. So I, I would imagine that, like I said, Coach K definitely watched that film because it was pretty much the same blueprint. North Carolina played pretty well against the zone in the first half um, all the way up to the under-16 timeout. And then Duke started some of that pressure, and it really bothered North Carolina, especially uh, when you know Luke May sometimes can get a little carried away pushing the ball up the court. Um, Pinson can sometimes you know be out of control. So I think both of those kind of hurt UNC a little bit, and it ended up getting blocks, uh, uh, getting blocked or missing uh, shots at the rim, which pushed Duke down the other end and helped their offense. So I, I think that was kind of one of the tweaks um, that I think Coach K picked up from the Syracuse game. Yeah, and I thought that Barry and Pinson especially, and Luke May was going to struggle against the, the bigs inside, but I thought they would settle a little more. And to your point, um, they settled enough, just enough to win the, at Syracuse. They couldn't get it settled down enough against Duke to run some offense. Because I thought when Carolina ran offense, especially in the first half. They were really crisp. That bodes well for the future. Um, but then you toss in the getting a little hectic when the other team presses could be an issue. Um, your thoughts on the play of Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams. I thought a game like this um, would be them shooting threes from the corners, which we pretty much saw Johnson shooting deep threes from the wings was effective at times. Uh, but I, I kind of wondered why Roy didn't switch it and put maybe Cam Johnson in the middle of that zone and let him just shoot 15-foot jumpers, foul line jumpers over the top. Your thoughts there and how they played? I mean, and we have two a two-game sample now. North Carolina just has not shot well against Duke. So it's obvious that it's a matchup problem. The difference is North Carolina, you know, out-rebounded them in the first game, especially on the offensive end. This game, it was much closer. I think it was unofficially, it was 46-42. Duke out-rebounded UNC. So even though Carolina has still got eight more shots than Duke, um, they're not converting at a rate that would help them win the game. They were 26 of 70 unofficially. I think the first game they were at 39%. The second game uh, today, tonight they were at 37% overall. 
first game they didn't shoot well from three in this game they shot 25 percent eight of 31 so part of it is you know we don't not to make it too simple but Roy Williams always talks about you know it, things look a lot better when the shot when the ball's going in the basket and when you talk about the NBA people always say it's a make or miss league and those cliches uh even though they're very overused are true and North Carolina just didn't hit enough shots and that's why they lost the game the defense definitely had some leakage in the second half uh, I think Greg is all over it maybe this is um the fifth or sixth game in a row that the opponent has shot above 50% in the second half against UNC. So it's something that the coaching staff is going to have to address before uh, it opens up play on Wednesday night in ACC tournament. Yeah, I wanted to go there because I thought that was the difference in the first half is Carolina's defense. They ran Duke off the three-point line. They rebounded. They um, sagged back just enough to give Bagley and Carter and Bolden problems in the second half, but then uh, in the first half, but then in the second half, um, like we've talked about reverting to the mean uh, there and it really let Duke get in a flow. Uh, why the change? Uh, I mean, obviously Duke made adjustments, but Carolina seemed to approach it differently in the second half. Well, I think Trayvon Duvall uh, had a big impact on the game, even though he didn't start. Um, he only had seven points, but uh, once he he made that three, I think, to cut Carolina's lead to maybe eight. And then um, after that, it seemed like his confidence just went through the roof and he was splitting double teams, driving to the basket. He got Bagley a couple of dunks. And from there, when Bagley starts going off, then the natural tendency for UNC is we're not going to allow the the biggest guy on the court to get the easiest shot on the court. So they start collapsing down a little bit more. And that's when you see Grayson Allen and you see uh, Trent Jr. And you see O'Connell, uh, who hit a three, I believe. Uh, you see those guys start to get going. Even uh, Bagley hit a three and Wendell Carter hit a three in the second half. So w- once they get started, um, you know, it's hard to stop. Because Duke, it, it's funny because Duke, it, before they started playing the zone, they were one of the more efficient offenses that um, we've seen in the Ken Palm era, which is basically 2002 until now. And the zone kind of limited what they could do offensively because it, it uh, limited the amount of possessions that they had. Um, but in the second half, because they got into that press, it spread North spread sped North Carolina up. Excuse me. Um, and when that happened, Duke was able to get their athletes out in space, and they started making shots, and it, it went downhill, so to speak. Let's look ahead to the ACC tournament. Of course, it's Tuesday through Saturday now. Uh, Carolina, with the loss, falls to the sixth seed. You got Virginia at seventeen and one, Duke thirteen and five, and then four teams at eleven and seven. And Carolina loses the tiebreaker to all of them to have the sixth seed. NC State at five. Uh, how do you think the mindset of this team is going into the ACC tournament? We they, they've played. They had a nice run, won six straight. Now they've lost two straight. Um, a tough game at home. A tough game in a rivalry game at Cameron. And now you flip and play Wednesday now at probably nine thirty or ten o'clock in Brooklyn against the winner of Syracuse and Wake Forest. I mean, not the best draw for North Carolina. A quick turnaround. Uh, Barry and Pinson, their leadership will be very important going into this tournament. I think it's not a bad thing to have a quick turnaround, um, only because it's a chance for them to kind of get the taste of this game out of their mouth. So they've got. They'll probably be off Sunday so they can rest and recover. Um, I'd imagine Monday, uh, probably Monday afternoon, they'll fly up to Brooklyn. They'll have a shoot-around on uh, Monday night and then a, a practice on Tuesday. I think they have to do a public shoot-around on Tuesday as well. And then all day and then the game on Wednesday. 
um, it's not a bad thing, especially considering the way, you know, they were up 13 in the second half at Cameron. Um, so it's not that they can't play with Duke and they beat Duke once. So it's not that they can't play with them. Um, and I think they'll want to get back on the court and, and really try to atone for that loss. Now, because North Carolina is basically playing, you know, six and a half guys, seven guys during a game, um, you, they probably didn't want to play that extra game on Wednesday. But we've seen it time and time again where a team who has to play the extra game just gets hot for whatever, whatever reason, and they go into that Thursday quarterfinal, and they're just much more into it uh, than the team, one of the teams that had to double by. So if you're Carolina and you have to you know, play either Syracuse or Wake, if you can beat them and then you get to play Miami again, um, I think that's a, a good chance they'll be already ready to go. Uh, Miami wouldn't have started, and who knows? You can build your momentum in a tournament, which is what Coach Smith always used to say. So maybe North Carolina with the extra game can do that. Um, but it, it'd be good for them, I do think, to get a win and not head to the NCAA tournament on a three-game losing streak, especially considering how they lost the Miami game um, after being down the whole game, coming back and giving up a you know crazy three at the end, and then being up 13 in the second half at Cameron and losing. Uh, so a, a win against Syracuse or Wake would go a long way, and a win against Miami um, would definitely go a long way as well. I'll put you on the spot here. Um, ACC tournament bracket, looking at it, uh, it's just weird to see this the way this bracket shakes out these days. But I think my dark horse may be Notre Dame with Bonzi Colson back. Your thoughts um, and who you think is the favorite? I think Virginia. Well, we'll say aside from Virginia, who you think is the favorite to get to Sunday? Or excuse me, Saturday night. <laughs> uh, you know, Notre Dame could be. I- I'm curious to see how Bonzi does. He's only played two games. Uh, I'm curious to see how he does playing Tuesday night. And then when they beat Pitt, because they'll beat Pitt, uh, <laughs> when they play Wednesday against Virginia Tech at seven, how his body's going to react to that? Because it's pretty tough to go the majority of the season without playing, and then play four games in seven days. So I, I think that's uh, something to monitor. Uh, I think you know, I think there's a very good chance we could have the rematch again on Friday night uh, because. North Carolina, they should be able to handle the winner of Syracuse and Wake. I'm not saying it's a definite, but on a neutral court, I think they have a better shot. And then I think um, Miami, uh, they match up pretty well with Miami as well. Um, and I think they'll be out to uh, kind of out for revenge on the way that Joel Berry and Theo Pinson's senior night ended. So, um, but with this year in the ACC, man, uh, honestly, anybody could win. I- I'm looking at um, the seeds. I-, I really believe with Bonzi Colson back, that one through 10 has a really good chance, has a chance to win the ACC tournament. I can't remember the last time I said that, not because um, I don't think Virginia is very good or anything like that. I just think that um, all the teams have great players and all the teams have um, played each other and there's not that much separation. That's why you have a team who tied for a third being the sixth seed. I mean, state could get hot. I mean, you know, even though they have to play Wednesday, Boston college, I mean, Boston college could be Georgia tech and B state easily. Um, just because of the guard power they have. So there are, I think there are t- legit 10 teams who could find a way to win the tournament. Now, I know no one's ever done the five games in five days, um, but this is a special situation with Notre Dame. And then I see, you know, I, I take that back. <laughs> so one of the one, uh, the one through eight can win. Um, uh, Florida State, you know, I kind of wonder about, but Louisville could get hot. I mean, Louisville was what, a few seconds away from being, Virginia the other night 
and if they beat if they beat Florida State, that's who they play on Thursday. So there's that. Um, I'm not sold on Clemson at all as a four seed. So NC State could very easily beat them. Virginia Tech has beaten Duke this year. So if Virginia Tech beats Notre Dame, then they could beat Duke. And Miami's beaten Carolina, and Carolina's beaten Duke, and Carolina's beaten Clemson. So everybody's just kind of jumbled there together. I, I see anyone. It's going to be kind of chaotic. I I don't really see a favorite. Um, I know Virginia is played very well throughout the whole season as the number one team in the country, but I could see them losing to Louisville. I could see them losing to Duke. I could see them losing to basically anyone in the top 10. So it, it'll be fun. Uh, if uh, if the Heels aren't in it, uh, how fun would a Florida State-Miami final in Brooklyn be? <laughs> There'd be 12 people there. Yeah, they'd be giving away tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, Sherelle. Carolina falls to Duke in the season finale, 74-64 plays Wednesday night. Nine o'clock or ten o'clock, probably against the winner of Syracuse and Wake Forest. ACC tournament's already upon us. Real appreciate it. Yeah, if you have uh, if you have any vacation days, go ahead and take Thursday off because that game's not going to be over before midnight. Absolutely, you're right. If it starts by ten, <laughs> I'll be shocked. Yeah, appreciate it. Yep, have a good one, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.